things. Today we're looking at all of it, all right? Um, now, we're not reading every single verse, but we're going to look at the broad message of the book of Galatians, that when Paul's writing this to the church, they're dealing with one main issue. There's lots of little things, but there's one main overarching issue that the church is dealing with and has been ever since. Uh, a lot of times when we talk about sin and uh, broken relationships with God, we start talking about sinners and people who are stuck in drunkenness and people who are stuck in uh, lust and, and all kinds of different things, lying and coveting and jealousies. And, but today we're talking about people who are stuck in things that appear to be good. The church here, they got stuck or they actually got, we'll find out, tricked into or back into things that at the surface looked really, really, really good. They might have won the Nobel Peace Prize for how many people they helped. Uh, there may have been no violence. There may have been no divorce. There may have been none of these things that we see as uh, evil or sinful. And yet Paul writes to them and God's telling them, this is wrong, your life is still not right. And they could argue, but I gave up everything that's considered sin. God says, I, I, that's not the point. It's not just what you give up, it's what you give into. They had given into living their lives as best as they can. Not living for God, just living for goodness. Trying to maybe help people, trying to build more houses for the poor and, and feed more of the homeless and do all of these different things that on the surface looked great. Now, good things are good, but they're not the answer. If we could just get everyone, isn't that what the world's trying to accomplish? World peace. And if we started enough good organizations to go out and build houses and take care of orphans and uh, fly to third world countries and, and purify water, then all of a sudden the world will be this perfect place of paradise. Look it, I'm all for good stuff. I am. But it's not the answer. You can build someone a house, get them clean water, uh, and, and help them get a job and do all these things, but if they don't find Jesus, they go to hell. They'll be the most comfortable people on the road to hell that you've ever met. Good things are good, but they don't bring the answer. And the same thing, well, what if you already have the answer? These people had the answer. They had Jesus. They'd be considered saved, but they went from trusting in Jesus back into this bondage of good works. They were back into this thing, if they stepped wrong or used the wrong verbiage or they did the wrong thing, then all of a sudden, they're, oh, God hates me now. It's not true. God will correct us when we get off course. God will bless us when we stay on course. But it's still, it's never a works-based thing that we're to perform for God. We're his sons and daughters, not just his servants. It's awesome. Let's pray, all right? Father, Lord, as we look at this book, give us understanding, give us eyes to see it, Lord, that we would hear clearly the call today just to walk in freedom, Lord, not the do's and the don'ts, not, oh, goodness, Lord, <laughs> we'll never make everyone happy or do everything right. So, Lord, would you be our aim? Lord, if we could hear well done from you at the end of this journey, we would have done well. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. All right. So the importance of the gospel, kind of like what we just talked about. Without the gospel, there's no hope. You can do all kinds of good things, but you're just going to help people uh, get more comfortable. You're not going to get them closer to Christ. 
And Paul talks to these guys. They'd heard the gospel. These are people who had accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you look at the opening page. You're there in Galatians chapter 1, right? Take a look. Um, Verse 6, starting in verse 6. It says, I marvel. He's, I am blown away. I cannot believe what I am hearing about you guys. Maybe a letter came to him. Maybe a traveler came by and he's like, hey, how are the guys in Galatia? And he's like, oh my goodness, let me tell you. Like, what? I was just there last year. What do you mean? He, he writes to them. He gets out his pen and his opening letters. I cannot believe what I'm hearing. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him, Jesus, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. He said, what's wrong with you? You got all excited about Jesus, all excited about truth, and now you're turning to some fairy tale lie? He tells them, in fact, verse 7, it is not another gospel, but there are some. There are some. And he begins, this is awesome, he begins to go straight for the heart of the problem. There's a few people who are making a lot of problems. It's not another. There are some who trouble you. And they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to take the truth and twist it into something different. And if you guys ever play with Play-Doh when you're growing up or clay. Um, but the neat thing about it, or the bummer thing about it, depending on who you are and what your brothers and sisters are like. right? You can make this thing and it's so cool. You're like, look, I made a dinosaur. And you're like, oh, okay. Or you made a plate of spaghetti or you made whatever. You know, Kaya's been making me spaghetti and meatballs lately out of Play-Doh and um, she'll chop it up and it's there. But then right along comes brother. It's like, smash. Look, it's a worm. It's like, what'd you do? In the same way, Paul presents them the gospel. And they're like, whoa, this is the best thing we've ever heard. And they accept Jesus. And then along comes someone up. And that word to pervert something, it doesn't mean to make something up entirely different. It means to take an existing truth and twist it into a different form. They're people who came into Christianity and the freedom of Christ, and they didn't just go, boom, with this whole crazy, weird, Scientology, strange thing. They came and said, oh, that's all true, but you forgot something. And let's add a little bit of this, and let's pull it apart right here. And, and oh, no, you were right, but just a little bit off in this direction. And they begin to pull and stretch and twist, or the word is to pervert the gospel. He says, people have come in, and they've begun to twist the truth. Peter warns of the same thing at the very end uh, of one of Peter's letters. He says, you better be careful because there's people who twist the truth and it's to their own destruction. It's not in big ways. It's little things that get us super far off. Verse 8, but even if we, and this is where the man, talk about some emphasis, verse 8 and 9. By the way, whenever the Bible repeats itself, go back and read it twice. If it's said twice, read it twice, at least. Pay attention to it. It's like an exclamation point or an underline or a highlight. And Paul says it twice, back to back. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven preaches any other gospel to you than what you have heard or than what has been preached to you, let him be accursed. And then he goes right into it again. As we have said before, so now I say it again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let that person be accursed. It says, I don't care who comes into town. I don't care what angelic revelation you have. If it's different than what you know to be true, let it be accursed. This is a, an enormous word. The word means let it be condemned to hell. It's like, what? 
If someone comes in and takes the message of Jesus and tries to add to it or twist it into a different form, oh yeah, you have to trust in him, but you also have to do all these other things. And you can't go here and you can't do that. And all of a sudden you're weighed down by how many restrictions there are and regulations there are and demands there are. It says you better, you better know in your heart. Whoever comes in, I don't care if it's a person or an angelic revelation, know this. They are to be accursed. That is to be condemned all the way to the point of eternal hellfire. Have nothing to do with it. Because when you begin to entertain that, you're not entertaining another gospel. It's not another there's, no other, there's not another gospel. There's no back door into heaven. There's only one way. And if it's anything else that clouds it up, get rid of it. You guys ever experienced something like this? I've only seen it once or twice in my life where someone comes in and takes the truth and begins to add to and twist it. And it's the most confusing thing in the world. And what Paul says is, as soon as it's like, wait, this is so strange. I don't understand. He says, cut it off. It's not from the Lord. It's not from him. It's amazing, and it makes sense. If you read anything in the Bible about Satan, eventually you're going to come up to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and you find out it says, and no wonder. It says, the people that come in and do these things, guys, false teachers, they're not mean people. They're not. If someone came in here and was like, hey, you little idiots, listen up. You're wrong, dummy. Like, you're, you're, you're going to be like, whatever. Now, if some guy gets up here and he's all well-dressed and he's like, well, you guys look good today. Man, you are singing. I've never heard people sing so good in my whole life, man. This is such a cool church. Man, this is amazing. You guys are so well taken care of. And man, I bet you have the best pastor ever. I love this place. You guys are just awesome. You encourage me. You bless me. And so let me tell you something the Lord told me. That, that, and he begins to just give you a little bit of something different. They're not all mean, scary people. It's their message that's scary. You don't take people in because of how they look or how they talk. You take them in based on what their message is. And no wonder, he says, no wonder these people come in, but it's a different message. It says, for Satan himself transforms himself into an image of light. Satan's not like, <laughs> walking around drooling like green ooze and this pitchfork and he just has this, or the sickle, right? Like the harbinger of death. And that's not what it's like. He can show up and appear to be this persuasive beautiful, alluring object. That's the way the enemy attacks. It looks delicious. It's mixed in with the truth. I've only seen this once in my life. I remember going to, what's the college in Pomona? San, not San Luis, Cal Poly Pomona. You guys ever know where Cal Poly Pomona is? Real close, very popular school. Uh, a couple years ago, there's this traveling wall that would go around, and they would put it up. It was huge. It probably wouldn't fit in our room. This massive wall, and 10 feet tall, and on it were all kinds of pictures, uh, lies against Israel and for what they called Palestine and uh, Islam and anti-Jewish, and it was this huge wall right down the middle of the college, and all these people were out there looking at it, and we heard about it. So I remember going out there, and looking. I was like, this is nuts. It's all lies. And you just go, you want to talk to people. Do you believe this? What do you think about this? And I remember I got into a conversation. This was by far the most, the strangest experience I've ever had in my life. Just being talking, there was two Muslim guys and a Catholic guy, and we were talking, and then there was me, okay? These two Islamic guys, obviously you're agreeing, and they're talking, and then they begin to tell me, oh no, it's like the same religion. 
And I, I knew nothing about Islam at the time, so I'm like, wait, what? Like, I can't believe you're even saying that. And I go, oh, yeah, and they start talking about Noah. I'm like, whoa, my Bible has Noah. And they start talking about Moses. And they start talking about Ishmael and Isaac, and they start talking about all these people. I'm like, this is crazy. And then he's like, yeah, we have the same religion. You're just, you're off in some areas. And so they're doing exactly what Paul's telling them. It's not another gospel. They're just twisting the one that you already have. And then they're like, this Catholic guy's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I realized uh, just a couple weeks ago that we're actually all the same. It's the same God. And now this Catholic guy is associating with the Islamic people telling me that I'm like them. And they're using the Bible, parts of it I wasn't familiar with, to completely, it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I literally felt physically dizzy after talking to them. And I just had to walk away like, I don't even know what to say. What if they're right? And this crazy doubt set in. And I can tell you, there's this point where you must choose. Like, am I going to believe and stand firm on the word of God or not? People, they were very nice people. I didn't feel threatened. They didn't punch me in the face. But when they take the truth and they begin to twist it, Paul says, you better let that be accursed. I don't care if it's an angel. I don't care if it's a person. If it's not the message of Jesus and Jesus alone, let it be accursed. Let it be condemned. There's different religions that we're growing up around all the time that fall into these two camps. The first one, he lumps in angels. The second one, he lumps in just men. But both verses are the same thing. You put it up. Uh, with angels, Mormonism and Islam. You know their claims? You guys know their, how many of you guys have friends that are Mormons? They're all super mean people, right? Prideful, arrogant jerks that hate little kids and burn them at the stake? No, they're probably the night to our shame. They're probably some of the nicest people I've ever met. I had a ton of Mormon friends growing up. But the whole Mormon doctrine, do they believe in a Jesus? Oh yeah, they do. They very much believe in a Jesus. Problem is, it's just a different Jesus. Two different people with the same name doesn't make them the same. And they very much so carry around the Bible and talk about the Bible, just only certain parts of it. And there's different portions they take and they twist it. Like Peter said, to their own destruction. It's sad. But their whole thing is, right, is it Joseph Smith? That's their like, kind of lead guy, their prophet, the most modern a prophet they have, what happened? He's sitting out and the angel Moroni shows up and tells him another way. Now here's my question, was it an angel or a demon? I think it was a demon. I'm not saying, oh, that guy's crazy, he made it up, he didn't see anything. I think maybe he did see something, but it wasn't an angel. And there's no other way. The Bible already says there's no other way. How could there be another way when God already said there's not another way? I don't know. Islam, it's the same thing. You know what angel showed up and gave Muhammad the message? Gabriel. Who else gave some messages in the Bible? Gabriel, right? Muhammad took the story that we already know about Mary, uh, knowing that she's going to conceive and bear a son and all these other things that the Bible said, and trying to win Judaism and bring them together, wrote in, oh, hey, Gabriel showed up. Or a, a de demonic presence revealed himself to be like Gabriel or said, hey, I'm Gabriel. And since we've never met, you have to believe me. I, I don't know. But these different religions come from these quote-unquote angelic or I think demonic but angelic um, sightings, interactions. There's other things that don't, I, as far as I know, have an angelic starting line, but things like Jehovah Witnesses. I don't think they cling to another way coming from uh, a vision from an angel, but they take the Bible and they twist it to mean some very different things. 
They'll teach Jesus is just one of the gods, and he was a great guy who became good enough to become a god. And so if we're good enough, this sounds so familiar. This is exactly what is being taught to the Galatians. This is not it. You'll see their bondage wasn't to sin. Their bondage was to good works, to being better than the people around them. It's exactly what Jehovah Witnesses. You got to dress up and you got to go out and knock on doors. And if you don't, you're kicked out and it's crazy. Man, uh, Buddhism. I don't think that came from angelic sources or demonic sources. I think it comes from maybe deception. There's things around us all the time that are pulling in every direction. For them, it was Judaism. Man's form of Judaism. It was this constant need to perform and to be better and cleaner, quote-unquote, than the other person. <coughs> Take a look. Uh, chapter 2, verse 6, all right? So here's the issue. He's saying, what in the world? You don't turn to another gospel. Well, my friend said, hey, look, I love your friend, but if he's saying something different, it's a lie from the pit of hell. You ignore it. You get rid of it. You let it go. By the way, you better be sharing more with them than they are with you. Okay. I believe you cannot share with someone unless you're willing to listen to them, but you better share as much or more than they ever share with you. We're never to surrender. And we get our eyes of other people. Galatians 2, uh, verse 6. It says, but from those who esteem, or seemed to be something. These were amazing people. We just said they weren't mean, nasty, vile creatures. These were nice, polite, probably powerful or popular people. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, he's like, I don't know what they were. It makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. It's not like, oh, yeah, but he had a longer robe. <laughs> so what? Oh, he came from Rome. I don't care. He had a personal bodyguard. So what? Like, right? Oh, he told funny stories. Get over it. He says, look, I, these people, they may have entertained you. They may have been powerful. They may have been popular. They may have been great speakers. They may be smarter than me, whatever. He says, if the message is changed, know this, that God has personal favoritism towards no one. It's awesome. What's he battling? People have been telling them, well, if you do better things, God loves you more. That's the whole message. If you do better things, then you'll be better off with God. That's not true. God blesses obedience, but you don't win points and become climbing this ladder of success in Christianity to where you can go from the bottom to the top and all of a sudden God loves you more. What if that were true? What if based on more you did for God, God loved you more. Then someone would have to get up here and say, hey, based on what I do, uh, God loves me more than he loves any of you guys. And then a missionary would come over and be like, well, I left my home, so God loves me more than he loves David. And then someone else would come over and be like, well, I started two churches uh, and I, I, I almost burned at the stake and God loves me more than everybody. What the heck is that? You guys ever see yourselves fight with your brother or sister? All the time. I've never seen it, but I've always wondered what it looked like when my sister and I were arguing, right? Or you guys ever, I don't know, when you were little, try and win your parents' affection more than your brother or sister? 
I want alone time with dad. No, I do. No, I do. Or I want, I want to go to the movies with mom, just me. No, I do. No, I do. I've seen this before. It's, it's like, okay, hey, hold, hold. Okay, knock it off. This happens in our house. You take, I'll take Kaya out on our daddy-daughter date, and because my two other kids are boys, we don't go on daddy-daughter dates. Okay? <laughs> right? And so we go out to get coffee, and we do her nails or whatever, whatever you do. I am so confused. She just, we just talk. That's what we do. We get whatever, hot chocolate. I don't give my six-year-old coffee. I give her chocolate. And then I turn around and find out, switch the cups, and she's drinking my coffee, and I taste my hot chocolate. And, but anyways, we go out on a date, and we come back home, and then all of a sudden, the boys run up. Well, when's our, when's our daddy time? I'm like, well, hold, hey, wait, hold on. And I'm kind of like, oh, that's cool. They want to spend time. And then they take turns going back and forth. And pretty soon it's like, wait, hold, stop. You're missing the whole thing. I don't, because I took one out to coffee doesn't mean I love the other two less. We do a lot, mostly family stuff. My daughter's a little girl. She needs to tr- figure out before she's a grown woman how a man's supposed to treat her. And so that's why I go and open the door and get her fake nails and get her hot chocolate and all of that stuff. Like, that's the point. My boys don't need that because they're not going to grow up to be women, right? We go out backpacking and lighting things on fire and shooting guns and whatever men are supposed to do. Like, so what's the point? It starts off cute. It, it's like, oh, I get time with dad. And, I do. and then it gets ugly. Like, cut it out. One, I love you, but not more than your brothers. So chill out. And you two, you're, you're, you're accusing me of loving her more than you? How do you, ha- how do you dare have the right to accuse me of loving her more than you two? You cannot do that. And when we begin to cling to, if I am better than the person next to me, God loves me more. God looks down from heaven and says, man, what are my children doing? How come, how do they think they have the right to say who I love more than the other? Knock it off. He says, I love every one of you. I gave my life individually for each of you. I would have done it for you and for you and for you. It wasn't this blanket statement. And they were wrestling. He says, look, I don't care who they were when they came in. I don't care what they looked like. I don't care how powerful or popular they were. If their message was, do better with God and God will love you more, get out of it. Shake it off. Today, maybe it's not today about do you cuss or not cuss? Do you lie or not lie? Do you steal or not steal? Do you have girlfriends or boyfriends behind your mom's back or not? Like, it's not about that. Maybe a lot of people don't have all those problems. Some of our problems are we think we're better than the people next to us. You're wrong. Totally wrong. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 22 says, obey in all things. Obey your masters according to the flesh. The people you see, obey them. Not with eye service. You don't live for people. Learn now not to live for people. You've got to learn. It's hard. This is probably one of the hardest lessons in the Bible. But you've got to learn now. Do not live for the approval of people. Why? Even if they like you today, they may expect something different tomorrow. And it is exhausting trying to make people happy. You do honor them. You do obey them. But it says not with eye service as men pleasers. You don't live for the approval of people. But in sincerity of heart, you fear God. 
And whatever you do, you do heartily. You don't do it halfway. You do it 100% all the way heartily as to the Lord, not to men. See God in everything you do. You do it for him. You're not, oh, oh, these people came in and, and now I'll be really nice or now I'll be super cool or now I'll be a punk or now I'll be, and based on different crowds become different people. Paul says, knock it off. We'll get swept up in that. This is the very book. Have you ever heard about Peter, the apostle Peter? After he's already filled with the Holy Spirit, after he preached the gospel and thousands were added, Peter, he's in Galatia hanging out with his new believers. And then Judaizers, these powerful guys, come on up. And Peter, all of a sudden, being a Jewish person, these being non-Jews, he runs over and is like, oh, I don't eat pork and I don't do these things. And he, he begins to act Jewish again. Except Paul was there. Read it. Go home and read this book. Paul says, I walked up to him in front of everybody and I said, what the heck are you doing? You're playing a hypocrite. Could you imagine Peter? Uh, uh, uh. Got little Paul with his finger in his face. What is wrong with you? You preach freedom only to put yourself back into bondage? What's wrong with you? God shows no favoritism. Zero. Galatians, we're going to keep moving on through. Galatians. Chapter 3 now, verse 27 and 28. <clears throat> For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. It says you better stop paying attention to the labels of the world. Oh, she's a... ASB person, whatever. I don't know what it is, ASB. They're smart. You're, she's smart. He's a jock. They're nerds. He's emo. Whatever. Get over it. Paul says, hey, 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 hey. Down to the point, this is crazy. Did you catch it? It says there's no more male or female. Does that mean everyone walking around is half guy, half girl? And now we're all confused and not sure what we are? That's not what it means. Does it mean that everyone got, they, there were slaves at this time and free people. Does this mean that right here all of a sudden slavery just evaporated because it was said? No. People still went home into slavery and free. People obviously still went home male and female. What does it mean? Paul says, hey, hey, in Christ, this personal favoritism thing we were just talking about, down to the point, God doesn't love guys more than girls or girls more than guys. There's no special status in heaven. You're his son or his daughter. What kind of father loves one more than the other? It's insanity. Paul says, what's wrong with you guys? Who tricked you? We do it all the time. We do it all the time. Think about how you treat people. Maybe... People who are normal and then homeless. What if, what if there's a homeless person sitting next to you? You'd be like, <gasps> you scoot over a little, you'd hang on the edge of your chair. There's like five people on one chair and this guy's sitting by himself. Well, he might be sick. Half of us are probably sick in here. Do we treat people based on their appearance? He's got tattoos. Looks mean. Yeah, he does. Go find out. Hey, we're guilty. What about 
fairly decent-looking people and less decent-looking people, attractive and unattractive people? Would we hold the door open for one and not the other? Would we let someone go before us in line but not the other? The answer is, yeah, we do. What about friends versus strangers? We say hey to everyone in the room except for the people we don't know. You'll walk by five people you don't know to go say hi to the person you do. We, we do it. We pay attention to status. We pay attention to labels. We pay attention to dress and appearance. And God says, you better knock it off. You treat everyone equally. You can have your best friends. There's nothing wrong with that, but not the, at the expense of ignoring everyone else behind you. Nowadays, it seems like everyone wants to be left alone, honestly. I was thinking about this just last night, and I was like, this is true. This is so true. But even beyond that, sometimes it seems like it's not that we judge anyone. It's we just don't want anyone in our little sphere. Just leave me alone. We go out in public, and it's like, don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Just leave me alone. I won't judge you, look at you, talk to you. I won't even think about it. In fact, I'm going to pretend like you don't exist right now as long as you pretend like I don't exist. You ever say hi to a stranger? It's like, they can't find the words to say hi back. Like, hi, and they look at you like you want something. Just, hi. That's all. Hi. It's crazy. We do it. I, there might be a picture. I don't know where. Yeah, phones, right? Phones. Like, phones aren't the, the evil. I, I, with a burning passion, hate technology. But that's, they're not the problem. We're the problem. There's no, like, you can't, if you buy a black iPhone, it's evil. If you buy a white iPhone, it's not. And It's us. We, we focus in on our world and ignore everything around us. Uh, there might be another picture. Oh, yeah, I love it. I just love being ignored, said no one ever, right? Um, the other day, I was walking home. Our neighbors, we've been living there for six months, and I could barely say hi to them. I'm like, hey, Joe. And he's like, hey. And he walks inside. I'm like, what the heck? His son's like 22, 23. The other day, like, we live next to each other, right? We live next to each other for like almost eight months now. I'm walking back. Our dogs got out yesterday. That was fun. It's, well, they just disappeared. And then we found them. Dang it. But we come back, and the kids are riding their bikes, and our neighbor goes running down. The, he's going for a jog. And he's got his headphones in. We passed this close to each other, and I'm looking at him the whole time, waiting. You know that eye contact? You're waiting to say hi? And he's like, Like, really, I was, I, hi, I'm right here, hello. Guys, we do it all the time, all the time. We do it all the time. And God says, look it, if I would have been his best friend or girlfriend or something, would he have been like, hey, yo, what's up, bro? Like, probably. Put a pool's ear, but because no, then, then what? We just move on? Might as well. Guys, in Christianity, we're not to be like that. Paul says, what's wrong with you guys? You've said this gospel of trying to strive to be better, not for the sake of glorifying God, but for the sake of earning position and social status, and you're doing it for the people around you. He says, you're dancing for the people in front of you. You're becoming men pleasers. You're not living to please the Lord. Look at Galatians 2.16. knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ. Because, man, you'll never be justified by what you do. 
you, God will never, ever, ever issue any extra forgiveness because of how good you are. To be justified, it means to be made right in, the, in God's eyes. A good saying I've heard for the word justified or justification, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Because God will never look at you as if you've never sinned because of how good you are. It's because of his goodness. Like it's, <laughs> if, you owe, if, if you were trying to buy your way into some sold out show, and the guy at the front door, he was a billionaire, and you're like, I got five bucks, let me in. Like, what is that to him? What is that? It's nothing. Like, what the heck is that? Are you kidding? And we tell God, I'm doing better now. He has, he's God. He's like, I don't need that. I don't need that at all. I just, I just want your heart. And yet we say, God, do you love me more now? No. I mean, that's cool, but No. I can't love you more. I already love you most. Like, how can I love you more? It says that Jesus gave himself as a ransom. There are hostages. We were the hostages. Your friends still are. And Jesus gave himself as a ransom. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. That is Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. What was that payment? Five bucks, Lord, do you love me more? Can I get in? Just let me in. I'll be really good. I'll be really, really good. God's like, you, you out of your mind? I make my streets out of gold up here. Like, no. What was the perfect payment? A perfect life. I don't have that. I don't have that. That's, that's the payment to get into heaven? I don't have it. I, don't, I, I can't get, I can't go. Jesus said, that's okay, I paid your way. 2 Corinthians, there are hostages still. Your friends, maybe, some of you, you think you're good enough to get in? It's a total workspace thing? Knock it off. The whole thing is God's love. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, whose mind the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. That Satan has blinded people to the truth. How do you do that? Through another gospel, which is not another, it's just a twisted truth. Faith in the law. So we get to this point, right? <coughs> and we want to swing so far the other way. And that's kind of this point. Paul does kind of pause in the middle of the book and say, okay, now, before you take all the rules and just like, ha and light them all on fire and burn them away, like, Paul's like, hold on, there's, there's a little bit of good here. There is a reason for some rules. There's a reason God gave the Ten Commandments. Don't just flush them down the toilet. But don't ever think God will accept you based on them. He says, who tricked you? Who tricked you? I'm going to go kind of towards the end. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. All right, called to liberty. Paul previously tells them, look at the laws, the things in here, before you get saved. It says they're like a, a schoolmaster. The word he uses is tutor, like a teacher. 
don't know if you guys ever have a good teacher that actually teaches you things. But what's the point of teaching you something? It's so that you can learn it, right? If you're still taking, you know, first grade math as a 35-year-old, or what if you're 50 and you're like, I'm going to be late for school, Ma, and you got to go back because you're still trying to graduate high school. Like something's wrong. Learning things is good, but it's to get you to the point of graduation so you can go do something. Paul, Paul tells them, look, it, the law was like a tutor. It shows us, hey, don't lie, don't cheat, don't covet your neighbor's stuff, don't uh, make things, don't idolize things, make God first. He gives us those commandments and a bunch more, and we're like, oh, I can't do that, and I can't, dang it, I can't do that, and oh, I just lied, and I just, oh, man, ah, oh, dang it. What kind of class is that? It's teaching you. You don't have it. How do I get in? Jesus. It brings us to the point of saying, like, I need Jesus. As soon as you say, oh, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner, come into my life, that class dismissed. You got an A. Why are you going to take it over again? He tells them, why are you going back doing the things you're doing again and again and again? You put yourself back into the bondage of what you did before. You're like a 35-year-old going back to high school. Like, that's, the, what, that's out of your, you're weird. That's wrong. There's no such thing as social status. Galatians 5, 13 and 14, they became selfish. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, that freedom, not, or only, sorry, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says, look at, oh, you could be like, ha, no more rules, and just flushing my toilet, and you're like, ah, I can do whatever I want now, because God doesn't care anymore, and he's going to love me for me, and all this great stuff. And he's like, oh, hold on. You don't take your new freedom to go be selfish. He says, you take your freedom to go free others. Not as an opportunity to run around and do what you want, but an opportunity to bring other people to what they need. That you would love others as you love yourselves. 1 Peter 2, 15. It's kind of long. It says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may not put to silence the or you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Because if all we did was help people and take care of people, not because we're trying to be good people, because we love God. Lord, I'm doing it for you, right? Not men pleasers, but loving God, pleasing God. Then when people come up and they say, let's say, they come back, oh, Christianity's dumb. They're a bunch of mean people. If you said, excuse me, what have I done to you? Remember when I bought you lunch? Yeah. Remember when it was raining, I gave you a ride home? Yeah. Remember when I helped you with your homework? Yeah. What's wrong with Christianity? Nothing. <laughs> that's, that's what it means. Look, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, not to get God to love you more, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorant and foolish men. As free, you're free, yet not using liberty as a cloak or a cover for vice, for to do what you want. As bondservants of God, honor all people. Honor them. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Right? That's principles, moms and dads. That's Teachers, that's the government right now. You still, you honor the king. You don't have to agree with them, but you still have to honor them. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. What? And you guys got that teacher you wish just never 
chose to be a teacher? <laughs> or the neighbor you wish lived somewhere else? Or the sister you wish was born to another family? Or the, like, whatever. He says, hey, don't just love the lovable. Learn to love the harsh. Not because God will love you more, but because it puts to silence those who think Christianity's dumb. They'll have nothing, no proof. We'll end it with this. James chapter 1, verse 25. I want to challenge you guys, read, go read. If you're not doing the inward thing or reading your Bible on your own, go read Galatians slowly. There may be some parts where you're like, oh, wait, what does that mean? Think about it. In chapter 6, I'm skipping something big. You need to, you need to go read it. That whatever you sow, you're going to reap. It's going to happen in your life. But James chapter 1, verse 25, it says, But he who looks into the perfect law, oh, you just said the law was, was to be done away with. It is. It's a different law. The law of liberty. I'm free. I don't have to perform to get God's grace. I'm free. And continues in it. Don't be here today like, oh, Lord, thank you. It's not about performance. Isn't it funny? If you really understand the Lord, as soon as you realize you don't have to perform, now you want to. It's, the, it's, the, it's cool. It's awesome. But you mean I don't have to share the gospel? Oh, cool. Now I want to. You mean I don't have to love my brother and sister? Nope. I'll love you anyways. Oh, man, Lord, you're so good. Oh, man, I need to, I need to show my sister how good you are through my actions. Whatever. <laughs> Sometimes. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer. You don't hear one thing and then just, oh, what was church about? I don't know. Not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. It's awesome. That we're to walk in the law of liberty, that you are free in Christ. Don't use it to cover up selfishness. God loves me no matter what, so get out of my life. doesn't work that way. God loves me no matter what, so I'll love you no matter what. We are free to follow. We've got to learn to walk in it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, you're so good. Lord, you're, you're more than, you're amazing. Your grace and your love for us, Lord, probably aren't words to, to quite describe that. And so Lord, those may be struggling with sin, maybe it's our temper and anger, maybe it's greed or selfishness, I don't, I don't know. Lord, would you take it away? Sanctify us. Take those things away. But Lord, those that are clinging to how good we are, Lord, that our pride is rooted in maybe outperforming the other people. Lord, take that away too. That we would just simply walk humbly with you. That we would love you because you first loved us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.